Welcome to Eyes for Ears, your ophthalmology OCAPS and Board of View podcast. We're your hosts, Ben Young and Andrew Powell. Just a reminder that these podcasts are meant for medical education purposes only, not to diagnose that thing on your eye. We figure that reviewing for clinic, the OCAPS and boards is better when you don't have to do it alone. Each week, review a high yield topic and talk about the why and the how. This week, we're talking about the lenticular glaucomas. Lenticular glaucomas. How many of them? There's just one of those to review, right, Andrew? Yep, that's it. And we just don't even have to say what it is. Yeah, Back it up. just the lens can cause glaucoma. You, you all know. Next week on Eyes for Ears. <laughs> you well, kidding okay. me? So there is one that everybody always remembers. Phacomorphic is typically the most easily remembered one because that's what you're doing cataract surgery for a lot of the time. Sometimes in the vain, vague hope that maybe it'll also do something for someone's intraocular pressure. But there are three others that are always mixed up and it doesn't help that one of them used to have another name. So the four of them are phacomorphic phacolytic, lens particle, and phacoantigenic. Why don't we just start off with phacomorphic glaucoma, Andrew? What is that? So that's when your lens, your cataract, gets too big and it pushes the lens iris diaphragm forward, thereby basically creating like an angle closure type situation. And most of the time, phacomorphic narrowing of that angle between the iris and the cornea is slow and progressive, but once in a while, it can happen acute and, acutely and suddenly. And if that happens very fast, then it might not be at the angle where the problem is. It might be at the iris lens interface, which would be pupillary block. So throughout this episode and lots of episodes we're talking about cataracts and glaucoma, oftentimes we're dealing with where is the actual problem? Is it at the edge of the pupil, where it might be pupillary block, or is it at the trabecular meshwork angle? So you may be wondering what's the difference between phacomorphic and primary angle closure glaucoma? Both of them will have essentially the same mechanism as just just have different causes. You can differentiate them because phacomorphic glaucoma should be caused by a large, possibly intumescent or dense cataract. But the treatment ultimately is usually the same. Either a iridotomy, uh, typically a laser iridotomy to reduce the pressure and reduce and to stop the pupillary block or angle closure, or just a simple cataract extraction. And you can... Um, you can follow the iridotomy with a cataract extraction if if you think that's indicated. But, you know, that's kind of the surgical management. Is there any medical management you can do urgently for phacomorphic glaucoma, Andrew? So if, imagine you're in the emergency room, you got somebody with a closed angle, and then the emergency room resident comes up to you and goes, should we just dilate the eye? Because that's what I've read in my literature. Yeah, the emergency room literature is going to have a lot of things that you might not want to abide by, such as giving people propericane to take home with them. But included in some of that are, there's a lot of things out there about whether dilating the eye or intentionally meiosing the eye can help with different forms of angle closure. What is in the BCSC is that the cholinergic agents you shouldn't give for this sort of thing. But it's kind of a weird counterintuitive uh, reason. Because you would figure that if the problem is at the angle then drawing the pupil kind of away from getting bunched up at the angle might help. But in this case, what the BCSC says is that the, the cholinergic agent, and just assume that that's pilocarpine, because I can't think of any others that we'd use for that purpose. Yeah, practically. Basically, pilocarpine. What it says is that pilo will actually make some kind of paradoxical angle closure, whereby it will contract the ciliary muscle, and that'll lead to forward movement of the entire lens iris diaphragm or and then that would allow the cataract to get a little more globular, just become more spherical, more fat in the anterior-posterior dimension, and that's going to exacerbate pupillary block. 
so the verbiage of that, you know, I'm sort of like paraphrasing the BCSE, but it's a little confusing to me too, honestly, because they're saying it'll worsen angle closure by worsening pupillary block. And I don't usually think of those as the same thing. But the bottom line is in a actual clinical scenario, just don't use midriatics or myotics. We all know the real treatment is either iridotomy with a laser or just cataract surgery. And I doubt that the BCSC or any testing would actually ever test us on this because it's so kind of weird. Right. And just to review for all types of these, because these can be urgent glaucomas, um, you can always maximize topical therapy and even use oral medication too to at least temporize the intraocular pressure rise. We'll go more into that either around the time of this episode release in our glaucoma buddy call episode. Yeah. Well, do you think the buddy call episodes would have been released by then? Uh, this one is going to go out this week, so I don't think so. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> so, you know, we're going to be releasing a buddy call series pretty soon where we talk about, you know, on urgent on-call issues at the level of, you know, stuff for a new first-year resident. And a lot of this, like, high intraocular pressure stuff will be there. Yeah. So if you're looking for more of that sort of what do I do, um, this is high help, just look out for that episode in the next two or three weeks. Or Four, four or five or six. We're, we, we only have so much time to edit. What's the next step of a okay. lens-related glaucoma, Andrew? Yeah, so that's the first one, uh, phacomorphic, the one that's easy to remember. And then the way that these are grouped, because we're going to talk about phacolytic next, the reason these two are usually talked as number one and number two are, these are ones in which the glaucoma or high IOP would happen with the anterior lens capsule still intact. So bear in mind the third and the fourth one we'll talk about apply when the lens capsule has been violated in some way. In phacolytic, it's an inflammatory glaucoma that's caused by leakage of really big, heavy, high molecular weight proteins that are leaking through the capsule of an intact cataract. And how the heck could they leak through a capsule that's intact? Well, the cataract has to be super mature, hyper mature for it to even just press those things through the cheese grater of like an intact capsule. So then those very small but still kind of big for proteins that junk gets mired in the trabecular meshwork so it's either the proteins themselves that are getting stuck in the trabecular meshwork or it's macrophages that eat them up and then get stuck or it's just other inflammatory debris yeah you know just to review because we haven't done a cataract episode yet remember that we're basically the contents of a cataract are inflammatory so if you, let's say you did a cataract surgery and left the cortex, which is that second layer of the, uh, of the cataract, then they'll have, you know, pretty significant inflammation after surgery. And if you left nuclear fragments, they'd have really significant inflammation after surgery. So you can, you can think the deeper you go into a cataract, the more inflammatory the components get. So as in this case, if some of them get out, like in phacolytic glaucoma, where they kind of ooze out or leak out of an intact capsule, then you'll have inflammatory, then you can have an inflammatory response. Yeah. So, Andrew, when, like, what kind of patient may you see this in? So, you're going to see this usually in the elderly because, again, you have to have a really mature cataract for this, and usually that's thumb. How it would present, sudden onset of pain, their eye would be really red, their vision would be bad, pretty similar, honestly, to, like, what an angle closure case would look like. But in this case, it's not because the iris is bowed forward, it's because it's just the TM is blocked. On examination... Like for most things with high IOP, you'd see microcystic corneal edema. Although in what is important to note, note that in phacolytic, you'll see prominent cell and flare, but no keratic precipitates. That becomes important when we talk about number four, 
because that's how you're going to really tell the difference between phacolytic glaucoma and phacoantigenic. But for now, cell and flare, but no KPs. And on gonioscopy, the, ang- the angle will be completely open. It also, of course, helps to note when there's a hypermatured cataract. So the BCSE also has this very unique picture of a wrinkled anterior capsule. I'd say that that picture, if you can find what I'm talking about, it's it even comes up on Google searches, I want to say. It's probably worth recognizing because it seems to come up a lot. And it's not because the capsule itself is like bulging forward from a the volume of a hypermature cataract. It's actually the opposite. The hypermature cataract kind of loses volume because it's releasing all this lens material. And after that, the shrink wrap of the capsule just sort of involutes on itself and wrinkles. Otherwise, there could also be a pseudo-hypopion, and on gonioscopy, you can even see like whitish clumps, uh, which are clumps of lens protein seen in the angle. But I wouldn't put too much stock in this because if you see a giant piece of lens that you distinctly remember from your own cataract surgery, then that's that wouldn't fall into this category. It would be lens particle glaucoma, which we can talk about next. So lens particle glaucoma is when you have retention of lens material in the eye after a cataract surgery, just like Andrew said. There's a couple ways it could happen, either from a violated lens, i.e., you know, a penetrating injury where you repair the cornea, but you leave a little nick in the anterior capsule of the cataract, and that allows lens material to ooze out through an actual physical surgical opening into the anterior chamber. It's also possible if you have a patient where you're not able to complete cataract surgery on. Is that an actual anecdote you want to share? Or? Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, so just to kind of share this quick story, I had a patient who became belligerent once during cataract surgery. He kind of just sort of became disinhibited with the mild anesthesia, and then he just refused to let us proceed with the surgery. And my attending and I kind of looked at each other going, can we really just leave this guy be? Because I've already done the capsulorexis, but his lens is still in there. And we just knew, like, if you do that, just, okay, goodbye, whatever you want, he's going to have essentially lens part if not in lens particle glaucoma at least enormous amounts of problems with inflammation because like ben said the cataract itself is inflammatory yeah and you know i think this is something especially if you're listening to this and you're early in the year early in your training to really keep in mind that if anything violates the lens as we said it can cause a lot of inflammation and glaucoma so you know if you have that ruptured globe don't just focus on the actual rupture from the you know in the cornea or the sclera or whatnot take a look at the lens very carefully to see if there's some kind of rupture that you may have missed initially. My very first consult, I remember as a first year, without knowing anything about ophthalmology, involved a patient with lens particle glaucoma. And I totally missed it. I just saw the corneal. I just saw the corneal wound. Um, You want to talk about the timing? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Yeah. So something that... um, can be somewhat deceptive and it can be somewhat helpful is that the interactive pressurized doesn't actually happen initially after the surgery or traumatic episode, but it can be, you know, weeks to months to even years later. So if you do note that on day one, it doesn't mean you, you know, when you're doing the globe repair at the day one, or if you have a case like Andrew was talking about where you couldn't finish the surgery, it just wasn't safe to do, you don't have to immediately jump to fix the problem. Um, you do have some time, but you have to watch them closely because it's unpredictable exactly when that pressure rise can happen from the the free lens particles in the anterior chamber. And because of that time that can pass, that will manifest on your clinical exam too, where you'd expect to find the usual things with high IOP, microcystic corneal edema, again, cell and flare, 
Um, this is not the one where you'd expect to find keratic precipitates, but what you would would be the other stuff with long-term inflammation, peripheral anterior synechiae or posterior synechiae, and that can factor into the treatment of how you deal with these. Right, which is... Like we said before, medication, you know, um, topical medication, even oral medication to temporize that pressure. Uh, you can, because it's like an inflammatory process here, you can use midriatics to dilate the people, you know, your cyclopenylate or atropine, whatever you prefer to help break up that posterior synechiae to prevent um, that scar tissue from forming. Steroids can be used to lower the inflammation, um, you know, in, in the right context. And eventually the solution well, I mean, it can vary, but the surgical solution is to remove the lens particles causing the problem. Remember, cortex, in theory, can eventually dissolve. So if the problem is minor and manageable with medical therapy, you don't always have to take them back to the OR. You can wait for the cortex to dissolve. If they have nucleus, you know, that probably will be in our later episode about re retained nuclear fragments. But that um, generally has to be removed uh, surgically. I'm adding a lot to our list of future episodes. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about then the last one that we keep alluding to, phacoantigenic glaucoma. Oh, it was also called phacoanaphylactic glaucoma, which gives an idea of what it looks like. I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you have a good way to remember the phacolytic and phacoantigenic? Because I always mix them up. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I do not. How, how about this? Phacolytic is when the lens proteins are leaking through that capsule. So lytic is like leaking, okay, intact capsule. Whereas in phacoantigenic, well, let's talk about it. Um, phacoantigenic is a little like sympathetic ophthalmia insofar as once your own immune system develops a taste for your own lens protein, then it can cause a granulomatous inflammation. So why would your immune system even know what to look for? That's So this is again a case where... This only happens after the anterior capsule has been violated by surgery or by trauma. So now that you have lens exposed to the rest of your eye, you get this granulomatous reaction where which really manifests as keratic precipitates. So if you see KPs in a high-pressure red painful eye situation, it's not phacomorphic, it's not phacolytic, it's not lens particle, it is phacoantigenic, and congratulations. Now you got a case report for Grand Rounds because this is, as Ben said, super rare. The KPs also, you know, just so you don't mistake this for something else, like in our anterior uveitis episode, these KPs would not just be on the corneal endothelium, but they'd also be on the anterior lens capsule surface or whatever's left of it. And, you know, they can have vitritis even from the intense inflammation. Again, it's like an anaphylactic response in the eye to its the own lens particles. And as in um, lens particle glaucoma, they can have posterior synechiae and anterior synechiae as well. So that is the lenticular glaucomas. You want to hit us with a summary, Andrew? Yeah, so we first talked about phacomorphic, where the lens gets too big and it pushes the iris forward. And that can result in angle closure or pupillary block. And just don't be tempted by midriatics or myosing agents. Just treat it with an iridotomy and eventually cataract surgery. Then we talked about phacolytic glaucoma, uh, which is also like phacomorphic glaucoma, one where the anterior lens capsule is intact and things are leaking through it and and high molecular weight proteins are and lens proteins are leaking through that intact capsule so you can remember phacolytic lytic for leaking intact capsule and these do not have keratic precipitates we then talked about lens particle glaucoma where 
you have a violated anterior lens capsule, maybe after surgery or after trauma, and these proteins, these chunks of cataract are now actually sitting in your anterior lens or sitting in your anterior chamber or just causing a whole bunch of inflammation that would create your intraocular pressure rise and maybe could manifest much later after the initial insult than you'd expect. And finally, we talked about phacoantigenic glaucoma, which used to be called phacoanaphylactic. This is super rare, also one where the major distinguishing characteristic is the presence of keratic precipitates. If you like what you heard, you can follow us on Twitter at eyes4ears with number four. That eyes4ears is the same on Twitter, on Instagram, on our website with the usual www.eyes4ears.com with the number four. Um, and we can also be found on Apple Podcasts, where you can review us, if you so please. And last, probably, well, last shout out for this for a while, we are still holding open this survey that we're holding about whether you find the podcast to be useful for or not. This is a research study that we're doing and will be open for about another month or so. There's a raffle prize in it for you if you're interested for a $100 Amazon gift card. Okay. Thanks for your time. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.